In the, uh, the in the host chair tonight, I kicked Kev to the side, but he is still here. You can find him on Twitter at fantasyref13. Tonight we're going to be going over our RBs from 13 to 24. We did one to 12 earlier this week. That pod is live, so you can check that out now. Uh, before we get into it, Kev, how you doing, man? How, how's it feel to be back in the, the co-host seat? It feels good. It's like my my. Uh... Uh, I feel comfortable again, you know, say, oh, I like this. I remember this seat, you know, my, my butt print and everything is, is there and everything else, you know. Uh, this is like uh, what I did for, uh, I don't know, the first four years of this podcast where Anthony was the host. And then we did the DFS DJ Nation pod and Ryan is the host. And so, you know, we thought we'd switch it up tonight and uh, see how it works, see how it goes. Yeah, man, I, I forgot I said that we were going to do this. And then uh, right before, I said, are you ready? So did a little shake, shook out those jitters. So, uh let us know if if you like this better, if you think it flows better. Leave us a, a rate and review, a comment, anything, a thumbs up, a subscribe, a like, a little a little kiss, a little hug, a little little smooch. And uh let's uh let's just jump right into it, man. Let's get the show on the road. Our consensus rankings are as such. Uh 13, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Chris Carson. Jonathan Taylor, James Conner, David Montgomery, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Cam Akers, and then Lev Bell coming in that 24 spot. So we're going to jump back up to the top. And we're going to talk about Derrick Henry here, who both of us are much lower on than consensus. If you if you're looking at where he's going in other spots, he's basically he's going as a top. Yeah, you know, uh, Fantasy Pros consensus has him at, at RB six. His ADP over at FF Calculator is at RB6 as well at 109. Uh, I'm sure we're on the same page here, Kev, but I'm going to let you break this down. Tell the people why we are lower on one Derek Henry. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's just the perfect storm last year that really happened for him, right? Because he is completely devoid of targets and with with that being the case that they kind of hit that lightning in a bottle last year late in the season where they went on that crazy run that propelled them to the AFC championship game and I felt like that had a lot more to do with it so for me I'm just not as high on him for uh because I just don't think his upside's there if he does not if they don't have the same fortune as they did last year and they're not able to stay ahead and have that positive game script where he's going to be able to get the ball 20, 25 times a game, um, if not more, from playing from a, with a lead, then I think that's going to really cut into his, his opportunities. And that's why, for me, I really like Darrington Evans uh, if I want any running back from this backfield because I think that he's going to be the pass-catching back here, and I think that he has an opportunity to carve himself out a role. So I, I do think that he's going to have – you know, I'm not saying I think he's going to be a complete bum, but I just think he's being overdrafted compared to the other guys that are going around him. I mean, RB6 is a pretty heavy price tag to pay mm. for somebody that has zero pass catching work um, or very little, right? And so with all those things considered, like I just think that the 
the floor and the floor really could drop out on him like we've seen in the past seasons where uh when they're playing from behind he pretty much you know hits the bench and and doesn't get to play that as much and so all that with all those things considered i just don't think the opportunity's there if he was going around 13 14 15 i, I would be much more interested but you know maybe even 12 but i, I can't mess around with them at rb6 especially in ppr or even half point ppr formats yeah, I don't, I don't really have too much else to add there. Just uh, the fact that I'm not going to be banking on, I think he had 18 touchdowns last year uh, to go along with what, 1,500 yards rushing, I believe. So the volume is still going to be there, like you said. I'm just not going to buy into that amount of efficiency and touchdowns that he had. And if you look at last year, his his touch his 75-yard touchdown catch against Cleveland in week one accounted for 34 it was a little less than 34 percent of his receiving fantasy production literally from that one catch so if uh, if you want to bank on 1600 yards and a you know 75 yard uh screen pass touchdown i guess go ahead and you know we, we'll just draft someone else after him uh moving on to austin eckler this is going to be one that we're gonna i guess we're gonna battle out here again for the second year in a row uh, we did this last year, and I was wrong, and Kev was right on this, I will admit. But, Kev, you have him at RB12. I have him at RB16. Uh, I'll just go first. For me, if you look at what he did last year, his receiving production alone would have landed him at, was it, yeah, it was uh, wide receiver 14. He would, If you look at just his receiving production, don't even take into consideration his rushing production, it would have put him at uh, wide receiver 14 last year. That would have sandwiched him between DJ Moore and DJ Chark. Uh, he had a uh, he had a nice 69.1 points from his rushing production, and that accounted for less than 28 percent of his fantasy points. Um, once Gordon returned to the fold in Week Five, uh, he was RB 15 in points per game with Gordon there at RB 11 overall, and. Uh, from those first couple of weeks, he was RB six in points uh, in points per game. So I, I just I I'm not going to go in counting on that amount of receiving production. And since 2015, there have only been three backs. I even brought this number down a little bit from I think he had 92 catches last year. Uh, even if you want to say he's not going to get there, only three backs since 2015 have given us multiple seasons or back-to-back seasons of 75-plus catches. And that was, I think it was Kamara, McCaffrey, and Lev Bell, if I'm remembering correctly. And if you drop that down, that number down to 60 to even take that regression down a little bit further from the amount of catches he had last year, there's only been seven backs that have given us back-to-back 60-catch seasons. Um, we talked about a, l- a little bit about this offense and my feelings on it when we talked about Hunter Henry during the tight end ranking show. And frankly, I just think this is going to be an offense that's going to want to slow everything down. They were already one of the slowest um, teams last year in terms of plays per second and their overall pace. Uh, they obviously brought in Josh Kelly, who honestly I'm not even that big of a fan of, but I think it goes to show that they're going to run a split backfield there in in uh, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. So I, for me, like I said, I'm just not going to count on that amount of receiving production. They obviously extended him. He's still going to be involved. I don't think this is going to be become a case where he's back to playing like a 1B role by any means, but I'm just not going to lean into all of that receiving production. So 
Kev, you have the floor, and uh, why don't you go ahead and just rip, rip me up here? Yeah, well, let me tell you why you're wrong, okay? So, <laughs> Took that so, deep so, so breath. I, this, here it goes. Yeah. No, but, but some, some, of it I, some of it I get, right? Like, I'm not expecting him to have 92 receptions this year. But what I think that he lacks in probably in losing a little bit of that pass-catching work, because to be honest with you, if you look at Philip Rivers to Tyrod Taylor, right? Because that's what we have to go off. Philip Rivers historically really targets his running backs um, a, a, a crazy clip. So last year, he targeted his running backs 31.6% of the time, right? Which there's, that's only one of three teams that, that exceeded 26% target share. In 2018, it was 25% and 22% in 2017. Now, you look at that. And Tyrod Taylor, if you got to go back to 2015 and 2016 when he was in Buffalo, and he targeted running backs 10% of the time and 12% of the time, and that was LaShawn McCoy, right? You may say, well, Kevin, well, what, what, you, if that, that's a pretty fucking substantial drop-off, and I would agree, it is. But what I think that he, what he makes up for or loses a little bit in the receiving game, I think he makes up for in, in the opportunities that he's going to get carrying the ball. He only got 18.2 carries per game last year. I think that bumps up. I think you see him come where and somewhere more in line with maybe the 14 to 15 uh, carries per game. I still think that he can average somewhere between four to six targets per game. I think if he does that, I, I think you feel pretty good about where he's at. He's one of the more efficient running backs we've seen last year. He was first in yards per reception, had 19.3 fantasy points per game. He was His 6.9 yards per touch was first in the league last year. He is a hyper-efficient running back, and I think in this offense, I think that he can still continue to do that. Uh, I don't know how long Tyrod Taylor is going to be the starting quarterback. I think there's a strong chance that Justin Herbert takes over at some point this season. You know, typically we don't... Outside of really what Pat Mahomes, that's really the only time we see the running or the you know first round quarterback, especially a top ten quarterback, not play the entire season uh, or not get a chance during the season. So with all those things considered, yes, I do think that he's going to see a drop off in, in his receiving work, but I don't think it's going to be massive. I think we could see somewhere in the range of you know dropping down from the ninety two receptions, probably somewhere in that sixty five range. I think that's still very fair, but I think he makes up for that in the like I said with his opportunities that he is going to get as a runner. Um, he also had six goal line carries, which is pretty impressive considering the fact that he was pretty much relegated to the RB2 and that offense outside of those first four weeks of the season when Melvin Gordon was suspended. So with all those things considered, like I really just still think that Austin Eckler is a smash play. He had seven RB1 last week, RB1 week, seven RB2, and two RB3 weeks last year. So almost 90% of his, his uh, weeks that he was uh, uh, fantasy relevant. So I'm not all that worried about Joshua Kelly or Justin Jackson. Yes, I think they get an opportunity but i have no problem taking him where he's going so currently he is going at 204 uh according to the fantasy football calculator fantasy pros consensus has him at rb13 we actually just got a question in the chat from rattleman who said so where would you want to draft eckler in a half point ppr he normally does not feel comfortable until the mid third to take him so kev you're uh you're good with with that price so how much higher would you take him ahead of 204 where he's going right now? He's currently going at RB12, right? And so yeah. I, I really I really don't have that that big of an issue with, with taking him there. Like I said, I think the upside's certainly there for him. I think that he can still command a heavy workload here back here. He only he only had he only um, handled 46% of the opportunities last year in that backfield. So I think we could see much more of a 55, 60% opportunity share coming his way. And I think, with, like I said, all things considered, I think I, it's really hard for him not to really hit, I think, his value. 
So I don't really have a problem with, with taking him right around there. I, I think that he is one of the more safer options in terms of that. And maybe he falls a little bit off. He did score 11 touchdowns last year, or 4.9% uh, touchdown rate. I think that could drop a little bit, maybe to 7 or 8. But with all things considered, I, I just think that he can make that up, make up for all that in all the other areas of this game. Yeah, if, I mean, if, if his re- – if the carries do come up, you mentioned the the opportunity share he had uh, in terms of the rushing that he had that only came from running backs. There was less than forty percent, and he was only one of two running backs last year who finished as a as a RB one that uh, that did not have uh, at least two thirds of their rush attempts again coming from the running backs i didn't take into account the uh the quarterback rushing share like 108 targets like you said 92 catches 993 yards eight touchdowns man that's i i think you're you're still going to be banking on a lot of that receiving work and it it, it absolutely could happen i'm just not going to bank on it in terms of the question we got i i wouldn't feel comfortable taking him until the until the back end of the second he's going in the front end now um, and I think that would also depend on how I started my draft because I would not want him as my RB1. Kevin, would you feel comfortable with him as your RB1? Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be fine with taking him there as, as my RB1. Well, if, if, you're, uh, if you're watching right now, go ahead and drop in the comments and let us know what, uh, whose side you're on, whether you would take him. You got something? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, if you also look at the offense, too, as well, I mean, as a whole, I mean, this isn't a really crowded space. You have uh, Mike Williams is the field stretcher. You have Keenan Allen, and then you have Hunter Henry, right? I mean, I, I so I, I think at worst, I think he finishes probably second in targets on this team. I think that's still uh, plenty of, plenty well in the range of his opportunity or range of his outcomes. So, you know, like I said, with all those things considered, like, I really don't have any problem taking him there. So, actually... I think a good segue would be actually to talk about the next guy, which would, would be Melvin Gordon, right? Which you have significantly higher than me. I have him at RB21, which may be a Ooh. little low, but you have him at RB10, which to me is like his absolute ceiling. Because in this backfield, like Philip Lindsay still exists, uh, right? So he kind of goes from one situation to another where I... Melvin Gordon, for me, has never been all that efficient of a running back, right? Like, he's always been very uh, numbers-driven, right? Like, opportunity-driven. Last year, he had 13.5 carries per game, 4.6 targets per game, 11 goal-line carries, which I think was eighth most in the league. He did average 15.5 or 15.1 fancy points per game, which was fourth, but he was 42nd in yards created, 89th in yards created per touch, 23rd in juke rate, 22.9. Are that you know, in their offense, they were 28th in the league in rush attempts. So... He had five RB one weeks, three RB two, and four RB three weeks. Now he, now you had you send him over to, to, and I have some concerns because Philip Lindsay is still there, who he commanded fifty three percent of the snaps last year, fifty six point two percent of the opportunities, fourteen carries per game, three targets per game, and five goal line carries. And their numbers, well, one Philip Lindsay was was much better than, him, but he also played you know obviously four more games or three more games than he did, but. I think Philip Lindsay's still going to have a, a pretty heavy role in this offense, and I don't know where because if you're if you're projecting him to be RB ten, like you're you're expecting him to get 20, 22 touches per game, I would think in that offense, uh, and I just don't see that. Like I, I don't think that is where he's going to come in. Like I would I would feel much more comfortable putting him at like fifteen touches. Per I think they brought him in to be the guy. I think if they were comfortable with Philip Lindsay carrying and shouldering the load, you don't bring in somebody like Melvin Gordon, even though he has not been efficient up to this point by any means. But I referenced the the article I did for the fantasyauthority.com 
on the uh, on our top 12 show. I'm going to reference it again. Basically, what we're looking for in terms of an RB1 outcome, looking at last year's numbers, is two-thirds of the rush attempts and like more or less around like 30 to 40 as a baseline for catches. Um, I think that is well within reach for Melvin Gordon. I, I don't think they brought him in to replace Royce Freeman. I think they basically brought Gordon in to replace Lindsey, and he's going to be the he's going to be the guy there. If you look at the additions they made at OC, they brought in Pat Shermer. Obviously, what they did in the draft, which we really like, they brought in your boy Albert O to go with your boy Drew Locke, and I think that's just going to help open things up for him as a runner. And then he's also going to get the targets, too. If you look at what Shermer has done over the past few seasons um, in terms of who he is targeting, over the past four seasons, he's uh, averaged 100 targets to the just to running backs. Um, They brought in Cushenberry from LSU at center. They have Munchak there, and if you talk to any Steeler fan, they will tell you how much they love Munchak and the, the wonders he did with our offensive line here. Uh, last year, they were 11th in adjusted line yards per football outsiders. So I think if all of that comes together, that's we're looking at an RB1 season for Melvin Gordon. Like I said, I just think that's where the volume is going to be coming his way. I don't think Philip Lindsay is dead by any means, but like I said, I don't think you bring in someone with the name brand like Melvin Gordon if you're planning on just splitting the backfield or still giving – uh, Lindsay, the majority of the carries, I think those two can complement each other really well, kind of the same way that, you know, Eckler and Gordon did with the Chargers. I think you can see the same thing in Denver where Gordon is going to be the main guy. And then you have Lindsay coming in as a, you know, breather, change of pace kind of back. So I just think all this put together from the, all the moves they made this off season sets up really well for Melvin Gordon. And I think we're looking at a, at a back end RB one season for him. I don't see it. I don't see it. Like I, th- I think he has, uh, you know, like mid-level RB two in his in his range of outcomes. But asking for an RB one season because I also think that this team is going to be a, has the ability to be a much more passive. If you look at Pat Shermer's offenses, that's kind of what they've been whenever he was yeah. the head coach in the Giants. Now this is a little bit different to things to take away from that because the Giants' defenses obviously were terrible. The the Broncos' defenses, uh, the, especially this defense this year, looks like it's going to be pretty good with getting Bradley Chubb back. You know, getting Jarrell Casey for an absolute steal of a seventh round pick. So this team could be a little bit more balanced. However, if you just kind of look at things, I do think that, that this team is going to throw the ball more than what people think. And that there is a lot of targets to go around with, you know, you have Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay. Like, where does he fit in in, in in his pecking order of how many targets he can get? So I think that also caps him a little bit. So there, there's some just different things there that I just wouldn't feel comfortable. Like, would you feel comfortable taking him? Um, I mean, not, not even ahead of his ADP. I mean, if you have him at 10th, I mean, would you feel comfortable taking him, I don't know, you know, early third round? I mean, that, that's basically where he's going right now, man. He's going at 305 Five, as RB. Yeah. yeah, 305 as RB17. So w- would you would you, would you you feel comfortable taking him late second, you know, ahead of Clyde Edwards-Solaire and Todd Gurley and Leonard Fournette, you know, guys like that, Aaron Jones? Yeah, I think out of the out of the guys you named, the one that I would, the only one I would hesitate would be would be on Aaron Jones, but ahead of those other guys for sure. And I think if you're taking him even at the beginning of the third, you know, let's say you started off running back in the first, you took receiver in the second. If you have Gordon as your RB two, I'd feel I'd feel more than fine with that. Absolutely. 
you are better than me because I, I certainly wouldn't like it would have to he'd have to fall for me for me to really want to to get on board with that just where uh, where, where, where would you want to be taking him then where if, if he fell to a certain point where would you where would you draft him for me I, I I would rather have David Johnson that's going after him I'd rather have James Connor I'd rather have Chris Carson um it, it I'd rather have Jonathan Taylor it, it would have to get to probably Lev Bell territory David Montgomery territory for I would start thinking about taking him I guess I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll see here. Agree to disagree on this one. I see uh, I see a an RB one season coming for Melvin Gordon, and you're treating him as a back end RB two. Which earlier. is why I have him ranked there. So you know, uh, that's it. It, it works <laughs> out. <laughs> Come to find out. So all right. So I think the next one is Todd Gurley. Correct. Next one on our consensus rankings. Is, uh, is David Johnson, actually. Oh, well, after you, sir. Yeah, this one is just a, it's a volume game for me. Um, I have him at 15. You have him at 17, so we're not that far apart on him. Uh, if you look at what Bill O'Brien has been doing, he's I think he's leaned on a, a one-back system. If you look at last year, I mean, Carlos, Carlos Hyde, that guy, Carlos Hyde had a 1,000-yard rushing season last year. He handled uh, close to 72% of their uh, running back rush attempts. The only place where Hyde wasn't involved was in the passing game, right? But I think that's just kind of who he is and who he's been his entire career. Um, Outside of 2017, where he had a 59-catch season, his highest prior to that was 27. A lot of people think David Johnson is dust. Could he be? Maybe. But I think if, if what we need to be doing is chasing volume. I think he's going to get that volume. Last year, if you look at some of uh, some of the stats on PFF and whatnot, he was seventh in yards per route run. He was still top twenty-four in routes run, which I mean doesn't sound it doesn't sound great. But then you look at Duke Johnson, who was actually ninth in routes run last year. He had sixty-two targets. So I think if David Johnson can absorb. It, you know, let's say 70% of the, the pass game involvement that, that Duke did. And who knows with this, uh, what did you, the walking rehab unit, what, uh, kind of what you've dubbed, <laughs> dubbed Houston's receiving room. If we might even see Dave, Duke Johnson in, uh, in the slot as a, as an actual receiver with, with the way that things might fall with, with Houston. So, like I said, to me, this is just a it's it's a volume game, and I think we're, with where he is going right now, uh, he's going right behind Melvin Gordon. He's going at three hundred eight according to Fantasy Football Calculator, and Fantasy Pros Consensus has him at twenty one. So uh, that is where that is where he is falling. Do you have anything to add to that? Anything else you want to say on David? I mean, I mean, I feel like that he's somewhat of a steal, right? Because of, or not, maybe not a steal, but I feel like that, you know, in years past, you're taking him as a top five pick, right? And now mm-hmm. you're getting him, you know, in the third round. I, I don't know. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of upside there for him. Uh, I know people will look at what David Johnson did last year, especially later in the year, and people will, you know, there was the whole like the one play gift that everybody was, you know, was retweeting. <laughs> he looks like he's dead and everything else. But he like did I not said. Look good. No, I mean he did, but it was one fucking play. Like, like right. Jesus Christ! Like this is what we do. We we overanalyze everything. Like for the first five weeks, he was a top five running back. 
But we don't talk about that. That doesn't fit a narrative. And so now he goes to Houston, which we all agree was a stupid trade that Houston never should have made that trade, but it happened. And I think that he is going to soak up a lot of opportunities here. Um, this isn't a, a talented, you know, wide receiver core. You know, you, you have Will Fuller and, you know, Brandon Cooks, who, uh, you know, one more concussion away from possible retirement. And Will Fuller is always hurt. And you have Randall Cobb, and you know, so I think that he could he could still steal a pretty nice opportunity share out of this backfield, and probably still come come in somewhere around twenty touches per game. Now the question is, can he stay healthy himself? Uh, I, I don't know. So there is a bit of a wild card there with taking him in the third round, but I just if he stays there, like I really don't have a problem with that. Like even if you went wide receiver, wide receiver, and you want to take him as your RB one, like I don't hate that because um, I think the the. The upside is certainly there, but the obvious he is certainly a boomer boss pick, right? Because he could yeah. end up being a top ten running back easily if he can get back to being somewhat of the David Johnson that he was uh, you know, a few years ago. Or, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes as like an RB three. Like those are all in his range of outcomes. So he's a very risky pick, but I think the upside is certainly there, and that's something that I'm looking for. So I don't have any problem with David Johnson. So yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to our next one, and that is Todd Gurley. Um, he is another player that has switched uh, switched teams. Now, obviously, going to Atlanta in this offense, I think that he is right there as probably number three in targets on this team. I, you know, last year that was one of the big uh, downfalls for, for him was him not being very involved in the passing game. I don't understand that one. I think that he, he's on a one year deal in Atlanta. Atlanta has no reason to to save him. Uh, to you know, to I think they run him into the ground and use him as much as they can. They don't really have any other options. They have Brian Hill, but they didn't really do a whole lot through the draft. I know some people thought they would bring in like draft DeAndre Swift or something like that. They chose not to do that. They really focused on their defense in this draft. I think Todd Gurley uh, is another the, the, another one of those guys that's kind of boom or bust here that could end up being. I, I don't think anybody be surprised if he finishes an RB one this year. You're getting him as an RB two. Again, he does he does carry that downside because we know he has the knee issues and everything else that he has with in that knee. But if you're playing for up, shooting for upside, this is another guy to to kind of go with because he has that in his range of outcomes where some of these other running backs just don't. Right, we're we're gonna get to some of these other guys that I I really don't think they have any shot at being an RB one outside of just you know a miracle or you know everything just kind of falling perfectly in their way. Where I feel like Todd Gurley certainly does. He's a pass catching back, somebody that can. Um, in an offense that's likely going to be on the field a lot. He's going to have tons of opportunities. I think he's going to get a ton of goal line opportunities. He should be the goal line back. So, I mean, he's kind of everything you look for in a lead back, other than the fact that, you know, he has that knee issue, that I think that's the main reason why he hasn't moved up draft boards more. Because I think this was a couple years ago, Todd Gurley, we'd be talking about a top five running back right now, especially in Atlanta. They also, last year, really solidified their offensive line with taking the two offensive linemen in the first round as well. So if everything come together, I... This defense is still going to be bad. They're going to have to throw the ball a lot. So I have no problem with taking Todd Gurley where he's going right now. Again, it is a very boom or bust pick. If you are much more of a conservative drafter, then maybe you skip Todd Gurley. Yeah, I think the fact that I don't don't think Gurley is a product of a good offensive line. I just think the offensive line was bad enough last year that going to Atlanta with a better offensive line um, with the passing game you know, being, I guess, I don't know if efficient is the word, but, you know, uh, uh, one that's going to produce better, frankly, than what the Rams were doing. I think all that is going to help him. And people forget Todd Gurley was an RB1 last year. He was RB12. He only averaged 13.9 points per game in in half-point PPR, which obviously that's not what we drafted him to be. 
it could have been a lot worse with the way that people are treating him and talking about him. You would think that he, you know, finishes RB 32 instead of RB 12. So if some of that efficiency can come back, if he can benefit from a, from, from a better offensive line, like you said, it's, it's a risk reward pick like some of these guys. And frankly, at this point, there's probably not going to be anybody that you are feeling great about slamming that, uh, slamming that draft button on. There's going to be risk with all these guys, but Gurley is someone who, who I think can can surprise some people. And if you look at Freeman last year, he quietly had 62 targets, which when I, whenever I saw that, I was like, that kind of took me by surprise a little bit. Uh, he was just shy of 200 carries. He ran the 11th most route. So if Gurley can step into that role and, you know, I mean, he can be even just what he was last year, honestly, I don't think he really has to be anything more. He can return that RB1 season. So, uh, he's he's definitely someone who you know where we can see some some value coming from the RB position. So let's uh, let's go and move on to another guy who's on a new team, but that is because he is a rookie, one of our favorite rookies that we talked about a lot over the offseason. That is one Jonathan Taylor. Um, as much as I like him, I am uh, I am much lower on him than where you have him. You have him at RB16. I have him at RB22, and uh, that makes up for our consensus RB19. Uh, I'll let you start on this one, Kev. Uh, Why do you have him at RB16, and why do you think I'm wrong? Well, you're always wrong, but let me tell you why on this certain occasion. I think it's easy, right? Like, I think he is... He's arguably the best running back in this class, right? I know a lot of people like Clyde Edwards-Solaire, like a situation that he went to. But I think he's the best running back in this class. And, and quite frankly, you could say he's probably the best running back. I mean, he's up there, in my opinion, with the Saquon Barkley's, with the Ezekiel Elliott's in terms of just overall talent, um, athletic ability, and everything else, right? And But he's not being treated as that, at least as such, as of yet, right? And some of it is probably the, the involvement of Marlon Mack. I know Frank Reich has said that, well, he's kind of going to be the 1A, 1B kind of situation. Uh, quite frankly, I think Marlon Mack is a, is, a, is a decent running back. I think he's a slightly above average running back. But I, he's certainly not anything I'm worried about in terms of for Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor can take over this backfield quite easily. I think Naheem Hines has a better, probably has a better opportunity to eat in a little bit of that pass catching work. As we already discussed about Philip Rivers, he is king check down, especially at this point in his career. Like we already mentioned, he had 31% of targets that went to the running back position. And so I do think that if you want to call it this, I, I think that he plays at least the Melvin Gordon role in year one. And I think that he does have RB1 upside in him. And so for me, like I feel like he's probably maybe the safest to that path because I look at somebody like Clyde Edwards-Solaire, which we'll talk about in a minute, and I see... I see a bigger downside for him than I do for Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor is a more than capable pass catcher. He's certainly not Clyde Edwards-Solaire in that regard, um, or even maybe as good as a couple of other running backs in this class in terms of his pass catching. But I think as the total package, like I think he's the best running back in this class. And I think that I'm surprised he's not a little further up draft boards right now. But I think it does have to do with the fact that Marlon Mack is still there and Naheem Hines is still there. And people probably view him as probably in a three-headed backfield here. And I just don't see that being the case. I think Marlon. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Marlon Mack got cut. To be honest with you, by the end of the year, we'll see, uh, or not by the end of the year, but by the end of training camp. But I'm not worried about also the COVID situation and everything else that we have here in terms of just in terms of him not being able to get you know get in there and uh, practice and you know OTAs and everything else because the running back position is a much more easier position to learn than like a wide receiver position or something like that. So overall, I, I think getting him where you're getting him now is kind of a steal. I think his upside is much larger. 
The thing that worries me is the fact that I do think they go with a full-on three-headed committee approach. Um, we've already seen some of the news come out about how Philip Rivers there is going to really benefit Naheem Hines coming from. I think it was, it was either the OC, the running backs coach. I can't remember who said it, but they specifically called out Naheem Hines and how that's going to be great for him with Philip Rivers being there. We've we've been talking about Marlon Mack taking that next step in terms of being involved in passing game and getting the targets, and he just hasn't done that over the past couple of years. I do think it's within range of outcomes that he just completely that Taylor completely blows. Mac out of the water and is the lead back. But I, I think if they are being smart with their investment, with the amount of touches that Taylor had in college, that they would be much better off running a split with him, at least for this first year. Right. Um, I think they obviously might like Marlon Mack. He's been more than uh, more than good enough to at least hold on to some of that role, whether that ends up being a, a 50, 50 split or not. I'm, you know, I mean, that, that remains to be seen. Um, there's just a couple of guys going ahead of him, I guess, that I just have fewer questions about or I feel more comfortable projecting them to be the lead guys in their in their backfield. But uh, as of right now, he's going at what, 402 as RB22. So in the fourth round, I, I'm fine with, with taking that there. I uh, would not want him as my RB1, but if you're taking him as your, as your RB2 or RB3, uh, at this point, with with how crazy that uh, the running back craze has been early on in drafts, I'm fine with that. But like I said, there, I even if Mac is out of the picture, I think Hines is going to be a real thorn in his side in terms of his pass catching upside. Um, so that's just one of the reasons why why I'm, I'm I'm a little bit lower on him. And we did get another question from Rattleman here in the chat, and he says, if Mac gets traded, where would you draft Jonathan Taylor? Late first round. You go late first on him? Oh, yeah. Woo! Spicy. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't be that much later, but I just, man. He's I mean, so you're good. talking about he's running behind he's one of the so, best offensive lines in the league. So His talent yeah. and everything else that they're like, it, it would be absolute smash city. Yes. Give me all, like, give me all of the Jonathan Taylor. Where, where do you sit on Jonathan Taylor in Dynasty? Is he your RB1? Uh, he is my RB two, just because of the of the pass catching questions. I I think he is more than capable of functioning as a pass catcher, but we just haven't seen. That was something we thought Marlon Mack was going to be more involved with. You know, something he had on his resume, and why some people liked him coming in as a rookie, and they just haven't used him that way. So that would be the that is the one thing that keeps me hesitant from him. So let let me let me devil advocate you after you do this to me uh, on Monday, what would be the difference for you between Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor then if they both have the same questions as far as their passing game involvement, both running behind good offensive lines, why would you be so much higher on Taylor and not wanting to touch Derrick Henry? Because I, I think Jonathan Taylor can easily command 50 targets in this backfield. Even now, even this year, even even with all things considered, I think he can command 50 targets in this backfield. There's no way in hell Derrick Henry is going to command 50 targets in the backfield, and that that's why. So, like I said, like I, I think Jonathan Taylor right now is probably being a little undervalued compared to what he should be because I think the he certainly has top top ten uh, upside in him. I say that. Why don't we jump over to David Montgomery? You are a lot higher on him than I am. I think I have him at RB twenty three. 
You and do I believe, not have him at 17. Yeah, and you have him at 17. So I look at David Montgomery, and David Montgomery is kind of in a similar situation here. Where he does not get much opportunities in the pa- as uh, in the passing game. He was 13th in carries last year, averaged 15.1 per game. He got 35 targets, 2.2 per game, 889 rushing yards, 195 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, 10.7 fantasy points per game, 3.5 true yard per carry, which was 56th. 13th in evaded tackle, 17th in yards created. My, my issue is, one, I think this offense is going to be better. And so I do see that, right? But I'm more than fine with taking him where he is going, which I have him ranked much similar to, to where he is. He's RB23 right now going to drafts at 405. I have no problem with taking him there. But having him at RB17 is where you have him? I do. So, again... Would you take him? Would you rather have him, or would you rather have David Johnson, James Conner, Chris Carson? I, I, I'm taking all those guys over him. Um, I, I do. He's somebody I certainly do not think that he has an RB one ceiling. I think that he is a fine RB two, but I do not think that he has that kind of range of outcomes in him. Now, of course, when you're taking a running back in, the, in, in that spot, you know he's probably you're probably taking him as at least your. Would you take? Would you be comfortable taking him as your RB two? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. See, I can't do that because um, I, I want a little bit more upside in the passing game. And I also think he has it because Tariq Cohen, which we'll talk about here in a little bit uh, as a look into the uh, the future, if you will, uh, he is going to command that backfield uh, or command all those targets. And I, I don't think David, I don't think anything changes for David Montgomery in that regard. So unless unless that, this office is going to have to take a big step forward this year in terms of just explosiveness and efficiency, and if it doesn't. Then that that's not good for David Montgomery because I mean that that true yards per carry is is pretty frightening. I mean three point two is about as bad as it gets, right? He is a guy that was coming into this class. Everybody was hyping as the you know the broken tackles king, and that's why everybody loved him and and everything else. And that just didn't come to fruition last year. I, I still I still have questions. I still have questions. Let, let me let me put it that way. I have no problem at his current ADP, but I would not take him any higher than that. I was one of those guys who was hyping him coming in as a rookie. He was actually my RB one ahead of Sanders and ahead. Oh, of... so this is just biased then. This is just but your bias bleeding through is what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. This is what we do with fantasy football, right? We just keep we don't let go of the of the guys we love. That's why you've been talking about uh, Jeremy Hill for so long. Is that I think that I think it's how this whole thing works. But no, I, I am just I'm I'm still a believer in his talent. Uh, I'm chasing volume. Like you said, he was 13th in carries last year. Um, as bad as that true yards per carry is, he was running behind the 29th offensive line in adjusted yards, again, according to uh, Football Outsiders. So if if you believe that Nick Foles is going to be the starter week one, I think he is the starter at some point in the season. I think even with that that little bit of an increase just with Nick Foles, will help Montgomery out a lot and help out this offensive line. Uh, Cohen's not going to go anywhere, but I do think Montgomery could see a couple more targets. I mean, I think last year Cohen had like 100 or something, which is, you know, again, one of those guys when I saw that number, I was I was surprised by that. I didn't realize how, how involved he was. Um, it kind of seemed like he was not being talked about at all last year. So, like I said, I'm just – I'm chasing the what I believe in his talent I'm chasing the volume if that offense can even increase a little bit put him in scoring position a little bit more I think all that is going to help him out 
uh, like you mentioned, almost 900 rushing yards as a rookie. And let's not forget he was coming from Iowa State. So, like, I think we've been super spoiled recently in terms of, like, rookie running backs coming in and just taking off right off the bat. Like, we're just like, oh, there's definitely no learning curve in the NFL because look at all these running backs in recent memory who have done it. So I think we do get a little bit spoiled from from that standpoint. Um, and I, I'm just betting on him getting better, like I said, believing the talent. And I that The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply volume still going to be there even if the even if his target ceiling is going to be a little bit lower compared to some of these guys uh cohen's not going to be eating into his his rush attempts he's not going to be a goal line guy so if we get a, a full healthy season from anthony miller to help out someone like alan robinson if he's still going to be the baller that we know that he is i think all those things are just going to help out montgomery and i think he could be looking at that that early RB2 season if all those things go to go according to plan. But I mean there there definitely are some some question marks there, but I, I think he is someone who can who can overcome those. So that's uh that's why I'm I'm higher on Montgomery than than you are. Well we'll see. We'll see. Like I said, I have no problem taking him at his at his current ADP, but uh this can't Yeah. Four oh five RB twenty three and uh Fantasy Pros consensus rankings. He's at he's at twenty four. So you're definitely more in line with what the uh, with the consensus is versus with with where I am. All right, let's move on to the next one to keep this moving here. Um, oh well, actually, you have the next one. So tell us about Chris Carson here. This to me, this one feels like the one where twelve months from now we can be looking at this and saying like man, that was really dumb. <laughs> like, I, I think Chris Carson's a baller. He's been showing it over the past couple of seasons that, you know, he can be that guy in this offense. Obviously, Pete Carroll loves him, but I just think that there's going to be a shorter leash with him this season compared to seasons past. And that's why I'm just um, – that's why, that's why I'm kind of kind of holding back on him here a little bit. Uh, Consensus-wise, he's RB18. You have him at RB18. I have him at RB19. Like I said, I, I, I just think that leash is going to be shorter. They obviously drafted DJ Dallas. They brought in Carlos Hyde. Rashad Penny is still there, I guess, if, if he could ever stay healthy because he has looked good in flashes. So I think if those fumbling issues come back, that's something where, you know, I, like I said, I just think it's going to be a, a shorter leash on him, and they might not be just throwing him back in as soon as – Rashad Penny gets injured. Uh, obviously, he's done well with the targets that he's gotten, but he hasn't been super involved. 
I don't think that defense is going to be coming back to where it was in the you know yeser years. I think we see more passing this year, even if it's not too much. So maybe that's going to lower his his touch volume as well. So um, anything else you want to hit on with Carson, or do you have the same uh, the same same questions and same worries as I do? I'm actually worried that I have him ranked too low. I have him ranked 19th. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like this is the one that I don't, I do not feel great about, and it could be the one that work, looks the worst. I feel like I feel like Carlos Hyde was signed more for Rashad Penny insurance than it was for um, anything anything more to do with Chris Carson. I think Chris Carson has proven that he can handle the workload in this backfield. Rashad Penny, what he, I mean, he had that 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 knee that injury what really late in the season, like December, right? So asking him to come back and be ready for that, I mean, he may not even be ready by the time the season starts. So I th- feel like that's more had to do with the fact of why Chris Carson or, well, excuse me, why Carlos Hyde was signed. So, you know, like I said, I, I think Carl, I think Chris Carson probably should be um, a little bit further up. I-, I don't hate it either. I mean, what is his current ADP? It is um, 311. If I can get him as my, if you get him as your RB two, like I would feel pretty, I would feel pretty strong about it because I don't think Rashad Penny. We can probably move on from the Rashad Penny. Like I know he got hurt last year; he started to show little flashes, but I think that 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 boat has sailed a little bit. And I definitely don't think that Carlos Hyde is going to just come in and uh, take that job from him. He's also somebody that can you know do it all. He's he's a pretty solid pass catching back as well. So I, I don't know. I, I think I mean Chris Carson has you know, low end RB one upside, you know, around that 11, 12 spot. I I definitely think he can get there. So at RB, you know, 19 or 20, that's, that's a pretty solid value for him. So, um, let's go ahead and jump to the next guy. I I believe that's James Connor, right? Yep. Now I, I originally, I'll say this with Connor. I I was actually a little bit higher on him. Uh, I, I raised up, I've raised him recently up just a little bit higher, but I'm still not feeling great about James Connor. I think James Connor is, He's he's not terrible where he's going right now, right? Because he was going much higher last year than, than where he's going now. But the dude just can never stay healthy, right? And if you look at uh, right now with him, I mean, last year he played ten games, fifty-seven point eight percent of the opportunities, eleven point six uh, carries per game, three point nine targets, nineteen red zone touches, four hundred sixty-four rushing yards, two hundred fifty-one receiving yards, four goal line carries, seventeen touchdowns or seventeen seven touchdowns. But he was 31st in yards created and 46th in yards created per touch, which is absolutely terrible. Now, I do think that this Steelers offense is probably one of the more underrated uh, groups in all of football right now because of every, where everything's at, right? I, I just don't love James Conner. I think the, the likelihood of him getting hurt is, is, is high. Like uh, Right now, he's actually number one on player profilers, injury predictor, at a 65% chance of getting hurt this year. Now, obviously, I, I don't try to play fantasy football that way, but I, it certainly has to stay in the back of your mind. If you're taking him as like your RB2, I don't know how great I feel about it. And if I did, I would. This is, he's one of those guys that I would consider taking a handcuff for. You know, they, they added Anthony McFarlane in the draft this year. You, we all know how much I love some Anthony McFarlane as a late-round flyer. There's people that love Benny Snell. I don't know why, but people seem to love Benny Snell. I still think there's a chance that he could get cut by, by uh, you know before the season starts. But I don't know. I, I just do not feel comfortable with James Conner staying healthy all season. If he can, now, yeah, certainly. He, he's Again, he's one of those guys that has an RB1 upside. He's very boomer bust. I just don't love it, and um, so th- that's why I kind of have. I think I have him at RB twenty. Maybe that's a little low, but I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? Is, is it's his health, and not only is it is his health, 
and uh, the lengthy injury history that he has, but it's the fact of the the kind of runner he is. He's a he's a he's he's not going to run around you. He's going to try and run through you, right? And with when when you have uh, an injury history like that, coupled with the his running style and the way that he plays, like that that just doesn't bode well for him. Now at his price where he's going, uh, RB nineteen at three ten again according to uh, fantasy football calculator. That's definitely a risk you can take there. And if he can stay healthy even for 13 to 14 games, like we've seen what he can do in stretches when he is able to stay healthy, but that's just not something I'm going to bank on with him. So that that is something where if, if you take him at that spot at that ADP, that's not going to crush you. You can easily find – you're not going to take him as your RB1 anyway, or at least I hope not. And you can easily replace that if he were to go down. Is that going to be McFarland? Is that going to be – I don't think it's going to be Benny Snell either. I don't see them cutting him outright, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was the the running back who was not getting a helmet on game day. Uh, and, you know what I mean? Unless Connor goes down. So it's going to be, remain to be seen what's going to, what's going to happen with him there. Um, a, a former Steeler that we'll move on to here, uh, Lev Bell, going currently at – RB twenty at three eleven, so he's going right at right before Chris Carson. What are you doing with Le'Veon Bell, and how are you feeling about him? He's tough, right? Again, another one of these running backs that a couple years ago it was a top five running back, and now it's it, especially the Adam Gase effect. Really, I mean that's really what kills him because if you look at his numbers last year, eighty seven percent of the snaps, seventy six point eight percent of the opportunities, he was eleventh in carries, his seventy eight targets. 5.2 per game, 27 red zone touches, set almost 800 rushing yards, 461 receiving yards, which is really what what really kind of elevated him a little bit because if it wasn't for that, it really would have been a pretty bad year. Four touchdowns, three of those were rushing, 4.2 fantasy points per game, but his 3.2 yards per touch or true yards per carry was awful. Only four goal line carries. Now, if you look at it, they added Frank Gore, which I know some people have made it to like like he's going to come in and just I'm not worried about Frank Gore. Frank Gore, I, I never, I'm not going to go into it. Dr- Michael P. Ryan was drafted in the fourth round. No, the thought that he's going to come in and take all of his opportunities or is going to eat into Le'Veon Bell, I don't think it's all that likely. There's 91 vacated rushing attempts from last year with Bilal Powell exiting, and then they have also have 183 targets vacated. They added Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims through the draft. Obviously, Robbie Anderson is gone, and so is Demarius Thomas. One of their biggest issues last year was the fact of how what, what type of runner he is, right? He is somebody that likes to dance around, kind of wait for a hole to open up, and then he goes through it, which was heading into last year where he was going around RB12 at the time. That's why I was out on him at that ADP because I knew that the offensive line was going to be so bad. He wasn't going to be able to do those sorts of things, which is exactly what happened. However, over the offseason, they really made it a focus to really upgrade this offensive line. They brought in George Fant, Greg Van Rutten, Josh At. Josh Andrews, and they also drafted with their 11th overall pick, Makai Becton. So they really made it a real opportunity to really upgrade that offensive line. So I say all of that to say this. At his ADP, I don't hate it, but I also don't love it either. Like I see a scenario here where he does not meet that ADP because of the fact that he is going to have to really still be dependent on that that passing game work because I do not think that because Adam Gase just kills uh, players, and I feel like Adam Gase hates Le'Veon Bell and thinks that he doesn't yeah. need Le'Veon Bell 
that they never should have signed him, which I, I think we all would maybe agree that they shouldn't have signed him, but we all probably also agree that Adam Gase has no business even anywhere around an NFL team. Look what he's done to all these other... I mean, look what he did to Kenyon Drake, right? Same thing happened to Kenyon Drake. I don't hate I don't hate Le'Veon Bell where he's going, right? If you could get him as like your RB2 or possibly RB3, I don't hate it. I don't love the 311 price tag that he's currently at at RB21. I would rather get him somewhere in the mid-fourth round. I would feel more comfortable with that. I would probably be a little hesitant to take him there. You know, in a PPR league, like I, I definitely think he's still going to have those opportunities as a pass catcher. I, I think that he can maintain that somewhere around that five targets per game uh, with Sam Darnold still there. And so, you know, like I said, if you look at the, the pass catchers that they have there, you know, Denzel Mims is a rookie. Chris Herndon, can that dude stay healthy? We'll see what happens. But, you know, Brashad Perriman entering this offense. I don't know. I still think there's at least a pretty good opportunity here for Le'Veon Bell to really still maintain somewhere and probably maybe that 13 to 14 fantasy points per game. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else to, to add there. It's it's just a it's a perfect storm for it not looking great for, for Lev Bell. But uh, I think, doesn't, doesn't everybody hate, though, real quick? I feel like everybody hates the Jets, and it's all because of Adam Gase. It's like... God, I you know I'd love to love Denzel Mims, right? Like Denzel Mims is a baller, we know it, but God, Adam Gase, Adam Gase is gonna kill this, you know. And it's all Adam Gase. Like I think we all just hate Adam Gase and like just wish they would get rid of Adam Gase. Like maybe he's a really nice guy outside of football. I have no idea, but as a football guy, he's fucking the worst. And I wish they would just get rid of him. And I hate to say that about anybody because I don't like wishing people to get fired or anything like that. But the dude has just wrecked franchises. And I have no idea how in year two he still has a job. I hope they go 0-16 just so that he gets fired and they can actually bring in somebody. Because I do think Sam Darnold is actually a better quarterback than what, he sh- what he's proven. I think they, I they have some nice pieces. But I think he's going to do something stupid, Adam Gase, and probably trade Jamal Adams for, 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 for nothing. I mean, the Chiefs, hey... He was on their list. So if they want to trade him to Kansas City, I'm all for it. You know, hey, you know, if you want to help us. Let me help you. Yeah, like, like I said, there's it, – it's just – it's it's the whole thing. It, it's the coach. It's the situation. Even though they upgrade that offensive line, still not the the line that he had with the Steelers. So he, he got the touches last year. Just didn't, just didn't amount to anything. Was Just was not good with the touches that he got. But – we're going to finish out this uh, the top 24 discussion here with two rookies. Uh, we have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at RB22 and Cam Akers at RB23. And we're both kind of just in the same general area with those two. I'll touch on Akers first. Um, I have him at RB21. I think he might be one of the rookies that surprises us. I think he's going to end up taking over this situation from – from anyone in that backfield. And like we, we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to dive into it, but I really don't care what the coach speak is in this scenario because it doesn't fit my narrative with McVay coming out and saying that they're going to use uh, they're, that they're going to use this committee approach. I don't think you go and spend a second round draft pick on acres after you traded up in the third for Henderson, if you felt that strongly about Henderson. So I, I, I do think that, uh, Akers can come in, take over that spot. I talked about Gurley and how he was uh, he was RB twelve last year with not, you know, with with everyone basically acting like he was dead. So I think it's possible that Akers comes in. He ends up with about sixty percent of the rushing attempts. Uh, he's really good in the passing game. Gurley had forty nine targets last year, so I think if he can slide somewhere in there, he could be looking at a uh, at a at a 
top RB two season versus where we have him right now in the in the back end. And I think if they move to the twelve personnel, they didn't do much. I, actually, I don't know if they did anything to help that offensive line in the in the off season through the draft. But if they move to uh, twelve personnel and they get two bigger bodied tight ends on the field, I think that could help that offensive line in that scenario. So. Cam Akers is a guy who I'm looking at as as far as might uh, might be able to su- surprise some guys. And with where he is going, uh, he's going at RB28 at 509 in drafts right now. Consensus uh, Fantasy Pros ranking of 28. So um, I, I'm a big Cam Akers fan if you want to take over the uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire talk here. Yeah, I don't, I don't need to spend too much time with it. I feel like that we've kind of been pretty in-depth with this, but if you haven't heard... You know, obviously, I am a Chiefs fan, but I am not in the hype train of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, at least year one, because uh, people keep talking about him, and I keep hearing this from other analysts saying things like, "Oh, he, you know, he has top five upside." It is gonna. He would have to have a truly efficient, very efficient season for that to happen, because I do not think that he is gonna get the workload that people think that he's going to, and I do not think that he is gonna get 100 targets. I don't think he's gonna get 80 targets. I think it's much more likely he sits somewhere in the 50 target range. We've talked about this. They are bringing back the entirety of their offense last year. So unless somebody gets hurt, who is gonna lose that significant of targets? It's not gonna be Tyree Kill. It's not gonna be Travis Kelsey. I don't. I mean, I don't think it's going to be Sammy Watkins. It's not going to be McCall Hardman. But we also love McCall Hardman. People are pushing, pumping him as well this year. Like, there's only so many targets to go around here in this offense, and they're not going to all of a sudden go and be a a run-first offense. That's not going to happen. So, where is all this production coming from? And Damian Williams is also there. And Damian Williams is not going anywhere. And now it's possible Damian Williams, Damian Williams gets hurt. Right, like much like that, uh, what happened with Kareem Hunt, the Spencer Ware situation a few years ago, back when Alex Smith was his quarterback. But this is a completely different team, and so with all those things considered, I just don't think there's enough opportunity there year one for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to have that cut. Now next year, once Sammy Watkins is gone, once Demarcus Robinson is gone, once Damian Williams is gone, then yes, I think we can have much more of a conversation about that. But year one, it's going to take a lot for that to happen. I think he's going to be truly as about as efficient as you possibly can be to hit that. So for me, he's going at 208 RB14 I believe among for still as and I think he's going to end up getting higher as we get to August. I think you can end up seeing creep into that RB1 range and that is fucking ridiculous. It is way too high and you know, I am a Chiefs fan, but I try not to be a homer in this situation. I'm damn sure not going to be. I'm not going to get burnt by Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think he'll have some RB1 weeks for sure, but he is not going to be as consistent enough as people think that he's going to be. And I continue to say it, and I continue to say it, but I continue to hear the echo chamber of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is, is, is an RB1, and he's a steal, and, he, and all this stuff. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Damian Williams is going to be right there. I think he is still going to see... Probably 10 touches per game. This is not a run-first offense. This is a team that is, and there's so many, I hate to use the term, mouths to feed, but there are so many players there that that there's going to get thirds that it's not going to be Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yes, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will get opportunities as a pass catcher, but so will Damian Williams. And so with all those things considered, I think his ridiculous, I think his ADP is fucking ridiculous right now, and it should go down, not up. Yeah, uh, 208 RB14, that's where he is with the, fantasy pros consensus rankings too i i'm not i'm not spending in that that capital on it i i don't understand it um unless 
something happens preseason a la Spencer Ware with Kareem Hunt, I think that is the only way that Edwards pays off this ADP. I, like, I'm, I'm on board with you. Could he get the the lion's share of the touches between him and Williams? Sure, but I don't think that's going to be a, a 70-30 split. I think we're looking at like a 60-40, 55-45, because even though he's only been coming up in, in like during playoff runs, during stretches, Damian Williams has proved to be more than capable of handling those touches with that backfield. So that, that, that'll definitely be one to monitor, but that will wrap up our 13 to 24 discussion on the running backs. Let us know what you thought about those. Anyone that was too high, too low, someone that we didn't even mention that you, you think deserves to be in there. Uh, just let us know your thoughts on that. So now we're going to just touch on some some late-round running backs that we like real quick as we close this out. Uh, Kev, why don't you go ahead and start this off? Give me uh, give me some of the late-round running backs that you were targeting this year. Well, I, I didn't want to be uh, obvious and just talk about Tony Pollard and you know guys like Alexander Madison, you know, the real obvious guys, um, Chase Edmonds, the guys that I think are – completely obvious so one of them was 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 Tariq Cullen right in PPR formats I think that he is uh being a little undervalued right now he's going as RB 43 in the ninth round I think that is too low for a guy who um his 10.1 fantasy points per game was 36 so he was you know a back-end RB3 obviously you know you go back to the year before where he averaged 14.6 fantasy points per game he's a very uh, um, efficient running back, but last year, you know, he he commanded forty nine percent of the uh, he played forty nine percent of the snaps. He only averaged four carries a game. This is not his game. He's not going to be a guy who gets a ton of uh, rushing attempts. But he averaged six and a half targets per game. 103 targets was third most among running backs. I don't really think that's going to change. If you look at the offense, I mean, again, they have Allen Robinson, who's obviously going to get his, and Anthony Miller. Who else is there, right? I mean, they brought in Ted Gunn. I like Dar- uh, Darnell Mooney as, as kind of a late guy. But, I mean, none of these guys are going to command a heavy volume outside of Allen Robinson and probably Anthony Miller. So I definitely think he's probably going to be third in targets. I know they have 47 tight ends, but I don't see any of these guys coming out and, and commanding a, a heavy workload either. So I think Tariq Cohen, at the very least, is going to be third. Could be two, could be second in targets in this offense. And so I think in a PPR format, getting him as like your RB5, RB6, something like that, I think that's perfectly acceptable i think he's gonna have some flex uh some flex weeks that i would definitely want to use him in especially during bye weeks so i like Tariq cohen i just think he's going a little bit too late i have another pass catching running back that i'm going to throw up here uh for for my first running back and that is james white uh rb40 with an adp of 809 right now i think last year we saw sony michelle have all the opportunity in the world and outside for fantasy purposes Outside of the weeks where he scored a touchdown, he he was unusable during those weeks. Um, I think, I, to be honest, what this offense is going to be is completely a quite like that's a complete unknown at this point, right? But if you look at James White and what he's done with uh, with New England over the past four years, he's had target totals of 86, 72, 123, and last year he actually had 95 targets. Um, again, just one of those target uh, target numbers that, that kind of caught me by surprise. So even with this defense being potentially as, as, a, as good as it was last year, I think they're going to have to get a little more 
a little more creative in how they move the ball if they're going to stick with Stidham. They had just a bunch of question marks out. I mean, even Edelman is a question mark. He's he's a known commodity, but how good is he going to be? The injuries and everything are starting to mount up. His his age is obviously getting up there. So that that entire receiving core, the tight ends. I if, I think if you look at it, James White might be the only known thing that they have on that team, like I said, outside of Edelman. So it wouldn't surprise me if we're looking at him at the end of the year as approaching that 90 to 100 target total again. Uh, obviously, his his rushing numbers leave a little bit uh, to be desired. The highest he had was in 2018 with 94. But if we've seen Belichick use – James White as a runner whenever he's the one who's getting it done, right? So if Michelle fails, if Damian can't can't get it done either, you might be looking at a at a situation where this is ends up being the James White show. So he's uh he's a pass catching running back with some with a, a little bit of a higher carry floor who I'm gonna be targeting in drafts. What about Rex Burkhead? We're just gonna forget about Rex Burkhead. Like Yeah. Yep. You know? Like, yep. I don't know, maybe yeah. this is the year the Rex Burkett puts it all together and ends up being like an RB2, right? Like, it, I feel like I, we could go we could go back and we could have like a clip of like 2016. Hey, this is going to be the Rex Burkhead year. 2017, don't forget about Rex Burkhead. 2018, hey man, maybe Rex Burkhead. He's like the, he's like the Eric Ebron of the, of the running back position, wherever yours is breakout year, but... This is going to be a really interesting offense to kind of look at because you can get their entire offense for for fucking cheap, right? Yeah. I mean, so, so, and Sonny Michelle's already been hurt, right? He's already what he just had surgery or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, because that's Sonny Michelle, and I mean, Sonny Michelle clearly is a bust at this point. I don't think you could call him anything other than that. I don't know how you could be excited about Sonny Michelle, but right now, I think I would just take a shot at one of these guys later, Damian Harris. I think James White is, is perfectly okay, especially in PPR formats. If you want to take a shot at Rex Burkhead. Like, take whoever the cheapest guy is. It's kind of the formula for New England running backs, right? So we'll see what happens here with that. But, yeah, I mean, I don't hate James White either in PPR formats. I think he is a guy that's going a little bit too late as well. And so that brings me to my next guy. That's Tevin Coleman, right? I really yeah. do not fucking understand why Raheem Mostert right now is going at 410 in RB26, almost an RB2. It doesn't make any sense to me. I get it with the vividness bias part of it of that, you know, he played in the playoffs, I think because Tevin Coleman was hurt and the the Super Bowl and all that stuff. But we're still talking about a guy who only played 36% of the snaps last year. He averaged nine carries per game, one and a half targets. So he's not utilized at all as a pass catcher. 16 red zone touches. He was hyper-efficient with 772 rushing yards, 10 touchdowns. He averaged 11.1 fantasy points per game, 5.3 true yard per carry with first in the league, sixth and breakaway run rate first, or no, sixth and breakaway run, uh, breakaway runs first and breakaway run rate seventeenth and juke twenty third in yards created. He had five goal line carries, right? But he scored eight of his ten touchdowns. Uh, he scored eight of his ten touchdowns over his final five games, and he had three RB one weeks over that span, right? And he played at least sixty percent of the snaps during that time. I say all this to say this that Tevin Coleman is going at RB forty one and nine oh two. But their numbers aren't all that different. He had, he averaged 41% of the snaps, 37% of the opportunities, 10, 10 carries per game, 2 targets per game. He averaged 9.7 fantasy points per game. So there's not that big of a difference here, but there's like a you know an almost a four-round difference between their ADP. Like, give me Tevin Coleman all day over Raheem Mostert, the 28-year-old who has been cut, what, four or five times over his career. 
and to think that he's all of a sudden going to be the guy. Like, I think at best, I think this is going to be a true committee, much like we saw last year. And I, but I, like I said, I would much rather have Tevin Coleman. I get how good this this running game has been. Like, they were second in carries last year, um, but I just I would much rather have Tevin Coleman. You know, hey. Uh, Jarek McKinnon's going to be back this year. He might actually stay healthy. Maybe he has a role. But Jeff Wilson, you know, they utilize him on the goal line. I don't know. Like, I, I just think Mostert, I don't get his ADP at 410. RB26 makes zero sense to me. I will have zero Raheem Mostert. And I really like Tevin Coleman going in the ninth round. If, if he stays there, I have no problem with taking, taking that there because I think his upside is pretty high. I think he could, he, I would be surprised if he finishes a back end RB2 or even possibly, you know, high end RB3 using him as a flex in certain weeks and certain matchups. But I am not messing with that, that in the fourth round. I am out on that. No, not at all. But between the two ADPs, the, the answer is clearly Coleman. Like, I, I don't understand that either as if most are just going to be the guy and everyone else is just going to disappear out of that backfield. And then the the addition, you rattled off all those guys, and they made the additions in the draft as well with uh, Savon Ahmed and Jamichael Hasty. So th- those are also two names that, that could easily be involved in that offense. Um, another handcuff-ish running back I like who's going around the same range, Latavius Murray, RB44 at 9'10". Now, obviously, his upside is going to be limited by Alvin Kamara, but we've seen that they they do not want to just hand all those touches over to over to Kamara. We saw it a couple years ago with Ingram and Alvin Kamara. I think they both finished as like top five RBs. Obviously, I'm not going to be predicting anything like that to happen, but with Murray going as late as he is. And with how he's going to be utilized, we obviously believe that this is going to be uh, an efficient uh, offense, one that's going to be high scoring. Drew Brees coming back for at least another year. So this is a, it's just a scenario where I can see the the upside, especially with, with any touchdown upside. We saw him get 43 targets last year. And like I said, th- th- this would not surprise me if we have, uh, you know, Kamara finishing as – you know, the overall RB two or three on the season and Latavius Murray finishing as like a, as a back end RB two, that would not surprise me by any means, just because of the, I think of the amount of touches that he, that he should be lined up for probably like another 150 carries or so I had 146 last year. Like I said, the, the 43 targets as well. So he he's going to be involved. And if Kamara goes down for, for any amount of time that he, I, we're going to be looking at Latavius Murray as the the hot waiver ad for that week, so he is someone who I am interested in for uh, for late round purposes. I don't hate that either. Um, we saw it last year; I mean, he got some opportunities as well. So, uh, my last guy is it really makes me scratch my head a little bit is Duke Johnson, who I was really surprised to see what his ADP is right now, but he's going at thirteen oh two. RB52, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. Uh, He averaged 9.6 fantasy points per game last year. Um, 83 carries, 62 targets, averaged about 10 touches per game, 16 red zone attempts, 820 total yards, 5 touchdowns. Like, this is a guy that should be going in, like, the ninth, eighth or ninth round, to be honest with you, right? Because, one, we know David Johnson's injury history. If he goes down... Duke Johnson is finally going to get the opportunity to shine. At least we hope, or they'll probably bring in somebody else and, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Because that's just, people just hate fucking Duke Johnson. But 
I think Duke Johnson is a steal at that ADP, right? The opportunities are there. I still think he's going to be involved in this offense. Uh, I still think they're going to use him as a pass catcher, and he's going to get his, get some opportunities. I think he stays somewhere in that 10 to 12 touches per game. And if he does, again, I think somebody that has has a little bit, you know, it's going to be boom or bust weeks um, for sure, and it's going to be hard to predict. But if something happens to David Johnson, like it's, it could be wheels up for Duke Johnson really quickly. So I am really surprised at that ADP. Maybe it goes up a little bit here over the next month or so. But if it stays that way, I'm going to have a lot of Duke Johnson. If, if there are two players I just want to see completely unleashed, Duke Johnson is one of them and Russ Wilson is the other. Like, I, I just want to see those guys just completely unleashed and just let them – like, I, I think Duke Johnson is actually a good running back. But he just he just hasn't gotten the he just hasn't really gotten all the all the opportunity that that he deserves. Have you? Yeah. Well, yeah. And speaking of Russell Wilson, uh, so the Antonio Brown, the Seahawks have had discussions about signing him. It's like, woo! Like maybe they're, maybe they're finally maybe they're they're taking uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, finally saying coming out and saying that they need to throw the ball more seriously. But that would also really hurt the your your, your DK Metcalf love if they were to bring in Antonio. Yeah, Brown. I don't. I don't like that. Because <laughs> yeah. the other one was the Ravens have have had conversations about so I I actually think Antonio Brown is actually going to be back in the league this year. I think someone's going to sign. He's kept himself out of trouble. He's he's he stayed on the down low. It seems like he's finally kind of maybe figured things out a little bit. So I know we'll talk about wide receivers next week, but I actually I think he's back in the league this year. Someone's going to sign him. Just to continue my me being a Steeler fan and just wanting to watch the world burn. Put that man in a Ravens jersey and just let him cook. I I am one thousand percent here for that. that. That just to add to my the wanting to see the Steelers just burn. That fan base would lose their mind if he was in that uniform and just destroyed the Steelers. And I I frankly I'm here for it. I know how bad everything was, but why not just bring him back? You know, like I don't know, maybe not a crazy idea. <laughs> There, there is burning bridges, and there is just completely destroying bridges and just blowing them up, and that—that's what Antonio Brown did. I don't, I don't see any way, shape, or form that he is—he's back in a in a Steelers uniform. But I mean, he still, he still wears part of the uniform when he practices. Doesn't does you haven't seen him? Like he wears like the Raiders helmet and the Steelers pants <laughs> when he's out there practicing. That's incredible. No, I've I have not seen that, but I, I'm here for him in the uh in the in the black and purple. But the the last guy I'm gonna touch on here before we before we jump off the rails, actually gonna be another Antonio, and that is Antonio Gibson, uh RB fifty one, and this is just one of those uh you know high risk like not not even high risk, but he like a, a boomer bust kind of play. Um Darius Geis is the only other one in that offense that like truly scares me. Um, if if he can stay healthy, I think he is the the kind of running back who we can see be a be a bell cow back. He obviously was one of the more talented RBs coming out. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And if he goes down, I, I wouldn't. I'm not going to project that Gibson just takes it and runs away with it. I do think we see uh, Adrian Peterson staying involved as like the early down runner. But then you're looking at Antonio Gibson as being the most dynamic back in that backfield. I don't think Bryce Love poses a threat, J.D. McKissick, Peyton Barber, none of those guys. But Antonio Gibson could provide us some sneaky PPR upside, like I said, especially going at at RB51. And then if Geis is unable to stay healthy, which is 
not that crazy to suggest. Uh, he could be looking at an even higher rush floor, and he's the he's who this new coaching staff brought in, right? All those other guys were in place. I mean, they made some of those free agent additions, but he's been the the guy, the only guy they've spent the draft capital on. So I think we could be looking at Antonio Gibson as a maybe he might be able to provide some some PPR value without guys getting injured because then if you look at that uh, that receiving group. I mean, it's obviously McLaurin, Steven Sims in the slot, and I think you can utilize Antonio Gibson strictly as a receiver, and he might be able to give you some receiving production. And then, like I said, if Geis goes down, that's just gonna that's just gonna increase his touches, I believe. And you see him mix in more with with Adrian Peterson, so that uh, he is probably one of my favorite kind of just dart throws in terms of uh, drafts this year. Yeah, I don't hate that. You know, this is different because I remember last year really talking through a lot of this and not really being all that excited about but just about all of the late round running backs, right? Like there just it just there wasn't a ton of guys that here everyone was like, man, I really would like to get my something. This year, like there are I feel like ten to twelve guys that like going in like the ninth round on on that like I really, really want to get exposure to. So I think this year is a little bit different. Which, you know, I, I would like to have a conversation. I know we kind of talked about it the other day, but uh, I really would like to have, you know, later get into some more strategy talk and stuff like that. Because this year it does feel like that at least a robust wide receiver approach isn't all that, isn't all that crazy um, with a lot of the running backs that are available l- later this year. So uh, we'll see on that. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think a strategy of kind of how you talked about, like, like a modified – zero RB where you get that one stud crush receiver and then maybe you just crush running back after that to, to kind of fill in that RB2 space and if any of these guys go down you know you, you could be looking at some at, at some league winners at that point I mean we we obviously already touched on Clyde Edwards Hilaire but you have Damon Damian Williams going at 610 and RB31 uh, guys we've already talked about Keyshawn Vaughn and Rojo Guys like that, Matt Burita, we've already touched on. Like I said, we we didn't want to bring obvious guys to the table with this. So there there are a lot of guys to like that are going later in drafts. And someone that we touched on earlier, actually, with the Colts and Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, if he's going to be as involved as a pass catcher in PPR leagues, he's going at RB59 right now, almost not even being drafted at 1405. So there certainly are a lot of guys to like late in that range. But I think that is going to wrap it up wrap it up for us kev you have any uh any parting words anything you want to say to the tfa fan before we get off here uh no no uh just uh, we'll be back on monday to uh break out the wide receiver talk you know the, the best talk i love me some wide receivers and i can talk about them all day and so uh we'll be back talking about that in the meantime um you know just make sure uh we really appreciate it if you could uh you know go hit that subscribe button on the youtube channel you know, hit a like and then you know if you haven't already you know, rate us and review us on the the podcast uh, in your favorite podcast app because that really helps us out as well. And you know, I've been doing some research today to try to find some stuff to give away because we need to give away some stuff. I know we've been talking about it, but we definitely need to do that. Maybe it's some t shirts, maybe it's uh, some other bigger stuff than that. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna take a look at it. We're gonna find something. We're gonna give some stuff away here as well to kind of give back before the season starts here or before the real fantasy season really starts going. Yeah, absolutely. We we gotta gotta give away some of that free swag. Everybody loves that free swag. So 
that's going to wrap it up wrap it up for us here you can find me on twitter at ff. you can find kevin on twitter at fantasy 13 like i said make sure uh you know drop us a rate and review subscribe all that stuff and if you have any any suggestions for us at all any content you want to see please be sure to reach out at us you can find us across every social media platform just search for fantasy authority so that'll do for tonight and thank you for joining us we hope you enjoy your stay it's good to have you with us